Benedettiville, ladies and gentlemen, Gio Benedetti here, standing in for Jen and Stella and Emmeline, because we're all on vacation. So we're not doing the show live in the studio like we like to do, but we are putting together all of our favorite parts and the best parts of former Benedettiville episodes. Now, we here at Benedettiville have a real good time making this radio show and getting together and making our little stories and whatnot, but what we love, absolutely adore is getting to know y'all out there that are listening. It is amazing. We also love drawing dragons. And the way we've combined those is we have a few draw dragon cards. And if you like to draw dragons, you can always mail them in. If you want to send anything to Benedettiville, we love to check in with y'all. Mail at Benedettiville.com is the email address. And our mailing address is Benedettiville, P.O. Box 33640 on 4th Street, in Petaluma, California, 94952. And we got some mail. We got two amazing drawings of dragons. One of them was from good old Coop, age six. And I think you guys heard a nice interview with Coop last week. Pretty amazing kid. Thanks, Coop. Great dragon. You guys should see these rainbow wings here. It's amazing. And that tail just curves all the way around underneath his feet. True dragonic majesty. And then we have another one here, and this other beautiful little dragon is uh, is more of a dragon equation, and I'll try and explain it here. There's a dragon, and there's a dragon with an arrow to it, and then dragon plus tacos, and there's a lovely drawing of some tacos, equals party and fun. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're working on math at home, dragon plus tacos equals party and fun. And to whatever Benedettiville listener sent that in, it totally made our week. So thanks, you guys. Mail at Benedettiville.com. You can send us any emails that you want, or you can send real live mail to P.O. Box 336 down at the Mail Depot, 40 on 4th Street in Petaluma, California, 94952. And if you're a Petaluman and you know where the Mail Depot is, you can just go drop it off with Mo. Tell Mo we say hi, and we'll pick up our mail, and we'll tell everybody about it on the air, because we love getting mail. We love getting mail so much that we really want to share these dragon drawings with you. So we're going to post them up on our website, Benedettiville.com. So if you want to check out the dragon taco equation, if you want to check out Coop's dragon, go on over to Benedettiville.com and you can check them out. 
It's July 8th, and you're listening to KPCA 103.3 FM in Petaluma, or maybe you're streaming it. That's kpca.fm online. This week's episode brings back a few of more of our favorites. We're bringing our first ever two-part Mission Impossible series for you to enjoy, as well as our interview with Academy Award winner Paige Warner. Not only that, we're going to end it up with our first ever story that we wrote for the Benedettiville podcast, Balloons. What's this? I hear a pitter-pat of feet. Who is this? Hello? Hello. You want to come say hi? Who are you talking to? Stella just came downstairs, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Got to face the microphone if you want to talk. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to everybody on the radio because we're going to be on vacation in the mountains and they're going to be listening to Benedettiville radio show. Oh. So we record it now so they can listen to it later. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. It's really confusing. What What do you think the, the us of the future will think when we listen to ourselves of the past? Do you have a, me- a message for Stella of the future? Um, Never let your dad forget things. That's great. And I have a message for me of the future. Hey, future Geo, don't forget things. I think that And don't that, let my dad uh, drink three cups of coffee. Yeah, and don't let him drink three cups of coffee. And then future Geo, don't drink three cups of coffee, man, when you're listening to this. Yeah. All right, well... Those are my two rules. All right, well, we're going to get into... Uh, on this episode, Stella, I told him we're going to listen to Mission Impossible, the first one. Oh. And, uh, and we're going to get to it, but first, a message from our sponsors. Yeah! Hot water, cold water. Hot water, cold water. Just two faucets on every sink in every house. Two faucets, two boring, watery faucets. It's time for something better, something sweeter, something darker, something chocolatier. We here at Chocolate River Industries are the only business in the world to have located, tapped, controlled, and successfully channeled an underground all-natural chocolate spring. Through an exclusive agreement with the Mole People, we can tunnel a pipeline right to your house. And, for a modest fortune, we can install both hot and cold chocolate faucets in your home. Take a warm chocolate bath. Wash your face with chocolate. Fill up the wading pool in the backyard and go chocolate swimming. Water the lawn with chocolate. Chocolate ice cubes. Hot chocolate fresh from the tap. Connect the chocolate pipes to your washing machine and wash your clothes in hot chocolate. Forget the same two choices, the same watery, boring life. Call Chocolate River Industries today and we'll bring the chocolate to you. Not all residences are zoned for chocolate piping. The mole people will not cross any underground territory of the badger folk, gnomes, dwarves, or giant ants without contracts signed by all parties. Mole people will not tunnel through adobe. It sticks to their claws. The mole people will accept their payment only in raw gold, silver, or other precious metal ore. Do not insult the mole people as they are quick to anger and are very prone to subjugating surface dwellers for their underground kingdom. Mole people are great tunnelers, but terrible plumbers. Please have a professional standing by to check and refit all piping. Never shine a light at a mole person.
Look, I know most commercials are supposed to be people getting you to buy things, but that's where this one is different. I'm talking very fast, not because I'm a salesman or any type of commercial voice actor trying to get you to buy something, but rather because a wicked witch has put a curse on me and now I can only talk constantly and extremely quickly while playing this accursed banjo. If you are listening to this, please don't buy anything at all. Just break this terrible and extraordinarily annoying curse. I cannot stop talking and I cannot slow down. Everything I say is like this and it is driving my family, my friends, and myself totally crazy. The curse can be broken if you bring the feathers of an eagle, a sparrow, and a crow to the crossing of the north and west winds. Say my name, Herbert Friendswinkle, three times forward, three times backwards. That's Elksness, Snef, Trebra, and then snap your fingers. Please help me break the curse. See, now I'm done saying everything that I needed to say, but I still can't stop talking or slow down. It's a curse, I tell you, and I'm so tired of hearing this banjo music, I could go the rest of my life without hearing another note on the banjo. It's terrible, and when I run out of things to say, the curse just starts saying nonsense. Things like, yes, the sponges float the burbles merrily on the high seas of York, and the pudding shelves need dusting, wouldn't you say, Mrs. Featherbottom, and all sorts of other random things like that, and I wish I could just sit down and read a book and relax, but I can't because... You know, last time we checked in, that guy is still suffering from that curse. So if everybody listen up for uh, future little parts with that guy, because I think he explains how to break the curse, and no one has done it yet. He still shows up at the studio every once in a while, and he talks so fast, and he's always playing the banjo. Anyway, enough about him. It's time for Mission Impossible. Now, the first time that we did Mission Impossible, the idea came at the dinner table. And I believe it was Stella that said Mission Impossible, because we were talking about Mission Impossible. And it all just went from there. Mission Impossible, talking pasta, solving mysteries, hunting down old Don's spaghetti. So without further ado, let's get on with some Mission Impossible. In a secret room, in a secret building, somewhere deep below the city of Postopolis, a message written on a delicious sheet of lasagna has been delivered. That can only mean one thing, that our daring agents of good, Agents Penne and Linguini, have been given another mission. Another mission in Postopolis. Mission Impossible with Agent's Pen. That's a spicy meatball. And Linguini. Uh, hey there, you gonna finish that pizza? Huh? Fighting for the good and justice for all of Postopolis. And taking on the fearful and dastardly Don Spaghetti. <laughs> You'll never escape from my little trap. <laughs> yes, welcome to another episode of Mission Impossible. Linguini, put down that pizza and get over here. There's a new mission. Mmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll be right over there. It's just that pizza's so good. It's a lasagna message. That's serious stuff. Now, what's it say here? Agents. All of the Parmesan cheese in Postopolis has been stolen. What? What? The king of crime, Don Spaghetti, is behind it. Parmesan cheese? They think it's hiding in the warehouse out on the docks. The password is Chow. Please eat this message so that it cannot fall into the wrong hands. Oh, yeah, hey, uh, I'll take care of that. It won't fall into the wrong hands because it's falling into my mouth right now. Hey, I hope you remember the password. Oh, yeah, of course I do. It's Chow. Hey, did you know that Chow means hello in Italian? Right. It also means goodbye. Oh, yeah. Now, come on, Linguini, get your stuff. 
We've got some cheese to recover and some bad guys to nab. Yeah, let's go get them. And so our heroes head down to the docks, hiding themselves behind packing crates whilst keeping an eye on Don Spaghetti's secret warehouse. Oh no, hey, Penny, look at the guards, the giant rigatoni. And look, they got huge forks. They're not messing around. Hey, hey, maybe I think, wait, why don't we just sit this one out? Maybe we can just go back to headquarters. I'll make a nice Alfredo sauce or something. We are not going back. And we can't make a decent Alfredo sauce. They stole the Parmesan cheese, remember? They stole the Parmesan. Okay, right, we're going to charge him. They won't know we hit him. They're not hey, going to hey, steal my Parmesan. back here. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're not charging anywhere. We're going with the plan. We know the password is Chow, so we'll say the password and get inside. Once we're inside, we can make sure the stolen cheese is there. You radio the police, I'll keep an eye out for Don Spaghetti, and make sure he doesn't escape this time. Oh, right, the plan. Yeah, that sounds good. The password is Chow. The password is Chow. The password is Chow. And so our heroes cleverly disguised as rough-and-tumble dock workers, step out from their packing crates and approach the warehouse guards. Ahem. Uh, hey, Chow. Chow? Oh, uh, yeah, Chow. They're not opening the door. Yeah, okay, hey, let's try again. Ahem. Hey, Chow. Chow? Uh, yeah, uh, I said Chow. I think they think we're just saying hi to them. What a terrible password. Yeah, you said it. Hey, let's try again, but this time try and make it sound sneaky, okay? Like this. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, hey, ciao. Ciao. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, right, the password. Hey, sorry, here you go. <laughs> Mamma mia, what a terrible password that is. This happens every time, I tell you. We gotta change Showing it. their cleverness and courage, our charismatic agents make their way into the secret warehouse. We're inside, and there's the... Santa Chiela McQueenie! Get out of that cheese! Oh, good. Oh, my. Have you ever seen this much cheese? I need you to radio police headquarters now and call for backup. I'm going to try to find Don Spaghetti. Hey, hey, you want some of this cheese? It's everywhere. I got, I filled up all my pockets. I filled up my backpack. It's delicious. Uh oh. Ciao, Agents Penny and Linguini. You have found me. Hey, Penny, I can't tell. Is he saying ciao as in hello, or is that ciao as in goodbye? I'm not sure. In my case, my very pesky Mission Impossible agents. It means both. Hello, you found my warehouse, but uh, <laughs> goodbye, for you've stepped straight into my trap. <laughs> so... Ciao, little agents, and, uh, a ciao. Ow! Oh, that, hey, I don't like watch that. it! What is that? Put me down! Oh. With characteristic mischief and sneakiness, Don Spaghetti springs his trap. A crane has picked up our heroic agents and is even now carrying them over a revealed bowl of salted boiling water. Will our heroes find a way to escape? Will the cheese be returned to the good people of Postopolis? Will Don Spaghetti ever be brought to justice for his wicked ways? Tune in next week for the thrilling, delicious conclusion to another Mission Impossible!
then it will be nighttime soon. You're right. I'm hungry. Me too. I wish there was some sort of thing that we could do every evening or every night right around this time where we wouldn't have to be hungry anymore. So do I. What's that, kids? Is it evening slash nighttime and is somebody hungry? Yes! Well, worry no more, for now there's dinner time. Dinner time? Yes, dinner time. It's a brand new thing. It's the coolest time in town. Every evening or night when people are getting hungry, people are finding, heating up, cooking, or buying food and eating it. No way! Way! So, next time you're hungry and it's evening or night, make time for the coolest time in town. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. Dinner time. I have no idea where the crossroads of the north and west winds is, and then they'll ask me about it, but I certainly don't have any idea, or I would have taken the feathers there myself already, but I haven't, because it is extraordinarily difficult to find those three feathers, which is why I've taken to these radio airwaves in the hopes that some feather-collecting wind watcher will hear my plea and be able to undo this curse. Things have gotten so bad that I have been forced to sleep in a small shed in my backyard, because apparently, even when I'm sleeping, the banjo music and constant talking won't stop. Why, we were invited to my cousin's wedding last weekend, and they kicked me out because I couldn't stop strumming this infernal banjo and talking quickly and loudly during the entirety of their very beautiful wedding ceremony. This curse, while not life-threatening, is terrible, terrible, I tell you, and I am asking and begging for help, even though you'd never know it from the sound of my voice. You probably still think I'm trying to sell you something, but you must believe me, I am not. This is, in fact, a very terrible curse, and I'm begging and pleading. You guys, you've got to help that poor banjo guy. If he shows up to Benedettiville Studios one more time in the middle of recording with his loud banjo and his constant fast talking, I don't know what we're going to do. Before we get to part two of Mission Impossible, I really wanted to revisit one of my favorite interviews that one of our puppet correspondents brought in. Uh, you guys know Rocco Blastorius, greatest bass player of the Puppet Lands. Well, he had the good fortune to go and find our very good friend, Paige Warner. Paige Warner is an Academy Award-winning special effects artist. Paige and I actually went to high school together, and we even played in a band together. That's how I secretly knew that she played the drums. Since then, she's gone on to work for Industrial Light and & Magic, and she's worked on just about every single amazing special effects blockbuster movie you can think of. All the Star Wars movies that have come out, Pirates of the Caribbean, Transformers, World of Warcraft. I'm going to forget a whole bunch because there's a whole bunch of movies that she's worked on, and they've all been incredible. Harry Potter, I just remember that one. So anyway, we sent our buddy Rocco Blastorius down because I know Rocco loves to play bass and I knew he would love to check in with Paige about some music stuff. And anyway, uh, the interview that he came back with is just fantastic. You'll find out all sorts of things about Paige in the movies and you might even get to hear some amazing music. All right, well, with that, let's go on to the interview. Oh, thanks, bud. Hey. Uh, I'm chilling here in beautiful Sonoma, California, and uh, I'm hanging out with Paige. What's going on, Paige? Not much, Rocco. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, I've got to say, you are legendary in the Puppet Lands. Aw, thank yeah. you. We are huge fans of your work. Uh, ever since uh, you and your buddy started working at that puppet shop in Sonoma, you know what I mean? I do, yeah. So, um, what's it like? Uh, what's it like? having friends and like being on the puppet scene you know what i mean hmm. <laughs> it's pretty crazy 
Well, like... I mean, you uh, should know. You're a puppet, so... Yeah, but, yeah. like... Okay, so check this out. Check this out. Let me explain what I mean here. Uh, lots of people don't pay any attention to puppets. It's just sad I'm sorry. truth. Also, I'm a bass playing puppet, and no one pays attention to bass players either. So it's like, I got double whammy, you know what I mean? Um, but, like, you and your friends, when you're in Sonoma, like, right off the bat, checking out puppets. Totally. Yeah. Always, so, yes. Well, I just wanted to let you know there's a lot of love from the puppets for you and Josh and Colin, because, like, we really respect what you guys are Aww, doing. Aw, thanks. For all puppet kind. So, uh, so I've Power seen... to the puppets. Yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. Oh, you totally get it. That's what I'm saying. All right, rad. Okay, so, uh, um, I've seen every movie that you've worked on. Oh, really? Several times. Excellent. Some of them, Paige, honestly, are really bad movies. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, it's like not your fault, you know? Like, not at all. The effects are amazing, but I'm totally getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> Oh, excuse me. So, Paige, could you tell all the good people checking in to Ben and Daddyville what it is that you do? I make special effects for big blockbuster movies. Oh, yeah. So awesome. Okay, so explosions and stuff. Do you do that? Sometimes. Uh, dragons and stuff. Do you do that? Once or twice. Um, spaceships. N- many spaceships. Oh. Those are my favorites, by the way. Really? Yeah. I think they're my favorite, too. Okay, well, um, can you tell me what your favorite thing that you've ever done for special effects is? Ooh. Um, let's see. I think one of the, my favorite things was actually not a spaceship, but it was a, um, it was a, a giant set for Star Wars that, or, sorry, a giant digital set for Star Wars that Whoa. was very complicated and uh, and very cool looking so when you say a digital set for star wars that was giant and complicated uh <laughs> what is that uh, well first yeah. first we had model makers not unlike puppet makers whoa whoa you're talking my language bro uh build a giant sinkhole model whoa. it was 10 feet deep by about 6 feet wide and it was so big they had to put it on its side so it wasn't much of a sinkhole but more of a cave it's like yeah it's like a sideways sinkhole well described page totally a cave (laughs) but but then they filmed it like it was a deep sinkhole with a with a and they took many many photos of it and then i took all of that and assembled it all into a digital model recreation so we could film it from lots and lots of different angles all from inside the sinkhole where we couldn't actually fit physical cameras to film from. So you took something and you, you built an imaginary space. You built an entire world. Paige, do you ever wish that after you build these imaginary digital amazing worlds or spaceships or creatures that, uh, that you could live in them? That would be amazing. I yeah. wish you could do that. That would be pretty fun. I think that's my favorite thing about watching your work in movies. It's like, wow, I want to live there. I mean, not so much the sinkhole. That place was kind of gnarly. And I was not so into like living there. But it was very exciting to exist in that space. You exactly. know what I mean? Oh, yes. Yeah. So like, uh, if you could live 
or have one of the things that you have created out of your technological wizardry, what would it be? Hmm. Hmm. There's what? so many things to choose from, I think. I'm yeah. having to think about what, uh, what different places... I tro don't think I would want to live in the sinkhole either. That would be a dark place. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, to, like, uh, people, apparently, from what I remember from the movie, are always, like, exploding things and falling <laughs> down them, you know? Yeah, not such a great thing. It's so. like, let's stay away from that, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, something that's... Uh, well, I don't know if I'd want to live on a spaceship either, but I definitely want to ride on one. That would be a lot of fun. <gasps> Take me with you. Okay, fine. Next time you can come with me. Deal. Uh, we uh, in the Puppet Lands cheered very loudly when uh, you recently won a very prestigious, prest, a very nice award. You want to talk about that? Um, sure. Yeah, so like, yeah. tell me about the award that you won, and um, tell me about the parades that people threw for you <laughs> after you got your award. Well, I won a Scientific and Technical Achievement Academy Award for the facial capture technology that we developed at Industrial Light and Magic. Facial capture technology! Academy Award winning! Oh, Paige, it was like maybe the greatest day of my life. I can't believe I'm here. Um, so... Uh, capturing faces. Yeah, that's right. We, we would, we, well, with our technology, we film actors portraying different parts um, on set, and we film their faces up close and then track all the motion of their facial expressions and transfer that onto really cool-looking characters um, for, for special effects in movies. Whoa. Uh, one of the big ones we did that where we did a lot of this work was in a movie called Warcraft, yeah, um, see that. <laughs> um, awesome, uh, but uh, yeah, and all of the the orcs and all of the main characters that um, are uh, portrayed in the film were uh, their faces were animated by the tech technology that we uh, we used. Uh, not only used, but uh, created, I believe. Uh, that's true. Yes, yeah. uh, don't create it first. <laughs> right, don't sell yourself short there, Paige. I mean, you are making the magic like. Literally, some people might be using the magic to make magic, but you literally making the magic. Pretty rad. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then after you won this phenomenal award for creating things beyond the imagination of most mortals, what kind of parades, like, did you get? Um, you know, like, how how big were the parties? That You know, the the award ceremony for it was was a big deal and that was a lot of fun yeah yeah but yeah. like you you must not even be able to like go down the street right i mean you're Paige, you're huge puppet lands go crazy i have to be careful for, when i'm in puppet land for sure yeah yeah right you get yeah. mobbed i bet uh, it's it's happened once or twice yeah, my family's yeah. gonna be so jealous right now i'm sorry <laughs> lucky you yeah uh i'm just about done with my questions Paige. Uh, you've been a very good sport. Thanks for uh, thanks for talking to me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Now, this has nothing to do with special effects. Now, okay. we're moving beyond the realm of your world, where you are uh, so so renowned. We're going to a sideline, a little bit of uh, bio research that I did unearthed a very special fact, Paige. Oh yeah? But you might not know that I'm the greatest bass player in all of Puppy. <gasps> really? I am, yeah. So imagine my surprise and joy to find that you yourself 
are quite the shredder on the drums. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you're like up there with the likes of, uh, we have, um, I don't know, if, how many puppet drummers are you familiar with? Well, I'm a huge fan of one puppet drummer that I think is absolutely amazing. Do tell. Have you heard of Animal? Oh, oh, he... He's like, he is the Zeus in the pantheon of puppet drummers. I'm so glad you mentioned him because Aye. the way you attack the skins, Page, totally, totally influenced by Animal. Am I right? Uh, you're absolutely right. He is my number one influence. Oh, okay. Well, I, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to be pushy, you know, but you would fulfill a lifetime dream if I, Rocco Blastorius, could maybe, could, may, could maybe jam with you. Let's make it happen. Can we jam? Sure. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Gio and Jen, I know this wasn't supposed to be part of the interview, but I'm totally jamming with Paige Warner, and uh, you're going to have to just cut something else short, all right? Ha <laughs> uh, ha. Okay, we got to go uh, set up some stuff. Uh, talk to you in a little bit. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, Paige, thanks for the interview. You're welcome. And thanks in advance for the jam. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Okay, <laughs> let's turn this off. Oh. All right, Paige. I think I got this thing cranked up here. Let her rip. Oh. <laughs> I'm totally jamming with Paige Warner right now. to edit a little bit for content here because uh well let's see i went in for this interview i think it was a uh monday afternoon and uh like we started to jam you know and like what can happen when you are jamming or otherwise fulfilling some of the greatest dreams of your life uh you can lose track of time you know what i mean so um when we finally took like a water break, uh, I think it was Thursday. Yeah, uh, like maybe early morning Thursday. And I was like, whoa, what happened to Tuesday and Wednesday? But we were just jamming, you know? And uh, so I had to like cut out a little bit. So we, we kept some good parts in here. And um, I think you get a real good sense of the uh, raw majestic power. That is the drumming of Paige Warner. Um, well, I thought I got a few tasty licks in there too. You know, huh, par for the Rocco Blastorius course, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Gio and Jed, sorry I uh, went MIA there 
for a few days, but uh, when you're jamming with your drum heroine, you uh, you just can't be bothered, you know? So anyway, um, we'll bring it back to the newsroom in a little bit here. Uh, and uh, hey, thanks for that interview assignment, Joe and Jen, because uh, I've been wanting to uh, rock out with Paige for like well, my whole life. Everybody in Puppet Land is going to be like so jealous. It's going to be awesome. Okay, Rocco Blastorius out for now. Take care out there, everybody. Hi, I'm Helga, owner and proprietor of Helga's Giant Tailoring for Giants. I got tired of smashing my way into department stores and asking for a size 50 dress and I could never buy my husband's jeans with a 160-inch waist and a 175-inch inseam. They just never had them. It doesn't matter how many towns and cities we stomped through, how many roofs we ripped off, and how many terrified, cowering department store clerks we bellowed at with our questions. The fact of the matter is, humans just don't make clothes for giants. So, I said, If those tiny, silly little humans won't take care of us, you just have to do it yourself. And so that's what I did. I got some helicopter blade scissors and a harpoon needle, and I've been sewing away ever since. And now, giants from all over the seven worlds come to my shop for nice-fitting, roomy, absolutely gigantic clothing. So before you head out and demolish a city block looking for a new dress, Come see me, Helga, Giant Tailor for Giants, and I'll make sure you're taken care of in a way that a giant should be. I saw a rather brightly colored bird, and so being someone who was very much interested in birds, I followed it, and it led me to a tree made of solid gold with leaves of gold and silver, and I tell you it was beautiful. Now, I am not a greedy man, and I certainly didn't mean any harm to anyone or anything, but the leaves were so beautiful and valuable, and I was sure no one would ever believe my story otherwise, and I looked all around, and there was no one about, and so I calmly and innocently reached up to pluck one of those shining leaves from the branches, and as soon as I snapped it off its tiny golden branch, poof, it disappeared, and in place of a golden tree, there stood a foul and wicked old witch cackling away at me, and well, you can guess what she did, and so now here I am talking quickly and loudly and playing this heavy out of tune banjo everywhere I go, and all for a golden leaf. Beware golden trees in the forest is the only moral for that story that I can see or maybe don't go for walks in the woods on Fridays or watch out for holy cats ladies and gentlemen we really need to work on that maybe when we come back from vacation we'll check in on old banjo curse guy and see if we can't go get the guardians together get some friends together we got to do something about that poor fella and I know we can do it Benedettiville you guys out there are real helpful really incredible and how about that Paige Warner Academy Award winner following her dreams being amazing Pretty fantastic. And that jam with Rocco, super rockin'. Love it. All right, I think it's time to get on to part two of the Mission Impossible. Let's do it. Welcome back to Postopolis, that city of wonderful sights, smells, and tastes where... 
Under the surface of tasty noodles and delicious sauces, two agents are fighting for good and for justice for all of pasta kind. When last we left Agents Pene and Linguini, they were investigating the case of missing Parmesan. All of that delicious cheese had been stolen from Pastopolis. Their mission took them to a shady dockside warehouse where they ran afoul of the nefarious Don Spaghetti. This week, we find our heroes trapped, dangling desperately from a crane in Don Spaghetti's warehouse, being carried ever closer to a giant pot of salted boiling water. Will they be able to escape? To recover the stolen Parmesan? To stop Don Spaghetti? Let's find out in the thrilling conclusion of this Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible with Agent's Penny. That's a spicy meatball. And Linguini. Uh, hey there, you gonna finish that pizza? Huh? Fighting for the good and justice for all of Postopolis. And taking on the fearful and dastardly Don Spaghetti. <laughs> You'll never escape from my little trap. <laughs> yes, welcome to another episode of Mission Impossible. Oh man, I think it was still Would in you this move crane, Penny. Would you move over? It's really cramped I in here. can't move over at all. We're in the crane. I mean, it's, This is the line. Do not here. cross the line. If you want to get out of here, you talk to that guy down there, Don Spaghetti. Aha! You'll never escape from my crane. <laughs> now, please, enjoy your uh, warm, salty bath. <laughs> I sadly cannot stay to watch. I have an appointment with someone who would like to buy large quantity of uh, for the match. Ciao, agents. Bon voyage. Hey, uh, hey, Penny. What a for? What's formaggio mean? What? We're about to be dropped in salted boiling water, and you want to know what formaggio means? Yeah, I want to know what formaggio means. Listen to that. Isn't that a nice sounding word? It means cheese. Formaggio. Oh, cheese. Cheese, huh? Now help me get out of this crane. Yeah, hey, you know what? Penny, that makes sense because formaggio sounds so nice. It even sounds delicious, you know? like just We're going to be delicious if you don't help me. Wait a minute. Hey, formaggio, cheese. I think I got something here. I'm, the crane is right over the water. thinking about something. Do Oh yeah, formaggio, that's it. I put a bunch of formaggio in my pockets during last week's episode, don't you remember? Hey, follow me, Penny, I got an idea! Follow you where? The crane opens above the giant bowl of salted boiling water, but as our heroes fall towards their doom, Agent Linguini pulls from his pockets large chunks of Parmesan cheese. With pinpoint accuracy, he throws them below Agent Penne and himself. They land, splash, safe and dry upon blocks of rapidly melting Parmesan cheese. Formaggio? Great idea, Linguini. 
Hey, thanks. Now uh, we just need to hop from block to block of this stuff until we get to the edge and do it quick before it melts, okay? I'll keep tossing them into the water. I got plenty. Oh, here I you go. I need one right here. Yeah, I'll throw over there. Okay. Oh. You just jump. Ah. Make sure you... <laughs> it gets pretty warm okay. in here, Hot. huh? Hey, Hot. wow. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. Phew. We did it. Linguini quit licking your shoes and radio back to police headquarters. Don Spaghetti may have escaped, but he won't have any cheese to sell if we can help it. Hmm. <laughs> So good. You know, formaggio's even good on a shoe. You gotta try some of this Linguini. stuff, Penny. What, what, what? It's so good. Linguini. You have some of this? The radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the radio. Okay, I remember how this thing works. Uh, let me just open it up here. Uh, Police HQ, this is Agent Linguini. We have the cheese. Repeat, we have the cheese and it is delicious. Send a squad and some big delivery trucks to the warehouse on the docks right away. Just you wait, Don Spaghetti. It may not be this episode. Or the next. But in one of these episodes, we'll catch you and stop your wicked scheming. But until then, Arrivederci. Hey, Penny, doesn't Arrivederci mean the same thing as Ciao? Well, not quite. It's more formal, and, and really it means until we meet again, which sounds more agenty, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. Hey, I want to be more agenty too. Don Spaghetti, Arrivederci. Arrivederci, Don Spaghetti. Arrivederci. And so the Parmesan cheese was returned to the good restaurants, grocery stores, homes, and noodles of Postopolis. The mischief and criminal shenanigans of Don Spaghetti have been stopped for now. Another mission impossible accomplished. Our heroes go home to a celebratory evening of pizza and root beer, all is quiet and tasty in Postopolis tonight, thanks to our brave agents. All is quiet for now. But they remain ever alert, ever ready, ever watchful for another message, another mission, another Mission Impossible! Oh, man, I love those stories. We're going to have another Mission Impossible marathon for you next week where we get into Don Spaghetti, the restaurant manja, and we introduce Stella and Emmeline's noodle characters, Capellini and Farfalle. And now we're going to go on to the story that we had for the first ever Benedettiville radio episode. It was a story about balloons, and this story, like so many Benedettiville stories, started as a goodnight story for the girls. So there we were. It's bedtime, the girls need a story, and you just got to come up with a story, because sometimes it's time to come up with a story. What Emmy likes to say is, tell me a story with your mouth. So that's what we do. That night's story was about balloons, and it ended up being a nice little story. So we wrote it up, give it a little bit of spit and polish, and here it is for you on the Benedettiville Small Town Adventures radio show, 103.3 FM, KPCA, the story, Balloons. Once upon a time, there was a little boy, and the boy lived in a town a lot like your town. It had roads, shops, parks, houses, schools, regular town stuff. It was a town a lot like your town in a world a lot like your world. 
However, the little boy's world did not have floating balloons. The little boy loved balloons, and he wished that they would stop falling and bobbing slowly back down to earth. They were so round and light, and the boy believed that they truly belonged in the sky. He wanted them to float, so he tried filling the balloons with other things, trying to get them to float. First, he tried different kinds of air. He tried blowing up the balloons with his air. Then he tried his friend's air. Then he tried the air from his bike pump. And he tried the air from the big air pump at the gas station on the corner. But it didn't get the balloons to float. Next, he tried water. He tried ocean water. He tried pool water, stream water, lake water. He tried snow and ice. He tried hot water. Nothing would get the balloons to float. But it was lots of fun in the summertime. He tried catching the floating breezes that would blow by with big bags and then putting those breezes into the balloons. That didn't work either. He tried filling the balloons with soft feathers of flying birds. He tried filling the balloons with soda water because the bubbles floated, but the balloons did not float. He tried filling the balloons with driftwood, with leaves, with other things that he could see floating on water, but they did not help his balloons to float in the air. The little boy spent years trying to get his balloons to float, but they never did. Until he met the professor. It was on one discouraging morning, because he had been trying to fill balloons with different combinations of spices, from the spice rack in the kitchen, hoping for a magical combination of ingredients. It did not get the balloons to float, but it did make a very spectacular mess. Anyway, it was on this day that he walked down to the park in the center of town. He brought a few balloons with him, tied to strings. He was always walking around with balloons tied to strings, just in case. They kind of bobbed and wiggled and dragged behind him as he walked into the shady paths of the large park. He sat on his favorite bench and sighed a heavy sigh. He looked up. On the bench, across from him, the boy saw a very strange woman wearing very strange clothes and making very strange sounds and gestures. This was the professor. She was wearing large and elaborate goggles and was wearing a large paint and oil and other stuff spattered white coat and had tools and wires and gadgets and who's-its and what's-its falling out of her pockets and bulging out of the large suitcase beside her. She was now standing on the bench, pointing up and muttering and exclaiming things that the boy could not understand from where he was. She was clearly very excited and clearly very happy. The boy went over to investigate. As he approached, he could make out what she was saying. It works! It works! I finally got it right! See, there it goes! Up, up, and away! The boy walked up. The woman's excitement was very, well, exciting. And the boy was swept up in it. What works? He asked. What have you got right? The woman turned a beaming smile at the boy, and happy eyes gleamed from behind the large goggles. Floating air, kid! Floating air! Look up there! That's it! I finally got it right! The boy looked up to where the woman pointed. There, floating slowly away, was a little dark speck, too high to clearly make out. Imagine it, boy! Floating air in bike tires, riding your bike through the skies, floating air in your air mattresses, floating through your dreams, floating air in your balloons, bobbing and tugging and floating off into space. It works! 
But that was all the floating era that I had. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid I can't make any more, the woman said sadly. Why not? asked the boy. Because I'm missing one of the ingredients I need for my floating air formula, she said. What's in the recipe? Maybe I can help, the boy said hopefully. Well, the first ingredient is water from a very, very tall waterfall. The taller, the better, she said. Do you know where any waterfalls are? The boy asked. I don't, but I could help you find some. We could search the tallest mountains, and I could find the tallest of the tallest waterfalls. We could do it. Oh, no, no, no. I have plenty of tallest waterfall water, the woman said, removing her goggles and rubbing her eyes. I have gallons and buckets and huge containers full of the stuff. I have a friend who lives high up in the highest mountains, and she sends me water whenever I need it. Oh, well, what else do you need? Asked the boy. The second ingredient is soft, light feathers from the birds that fly the highest, fastest, and furthest of all the birds, the professor said. I could help you find those birds, the boy said. I don't know what they are, but we could travel far and wide, and I have keen eyes, and I could spot any feathers that had fallen, and then we could collect the feathers that you need. Oh, no, 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 no. I have plenty of feathers, said the professor. I made friends with the birds that fly the highest, fastest, and furthest years ago, and they visit me often and always bring me their soft, light feathers when they are through with them. Oh. Well, what else do you need? asked the boy. The third ingredient is the hottest fire from the deepest volcano, the professor said. Oh. Well, I don't know where that volcano might be, the boy said, but we could search the mountains of the world, and I could help you find it, and then we could find a way to collect some of its fire. No, 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 no. I have plenty of fire from the deepest volcano, said the professor. I dug a tunnel that leads from my backyard to the lava at the heart of the world's deepest volcano. When I need its fire, it's as simple as turning on the hot volcano fire faucet. But if you have water from the tallest waterfall, feathers from the highest, fastest, furthest flying birds, and fire from the deepest volcano, what could possibly be harder to find than those things? The boy asked. The fourth ingredient is the ingredient that I need, the professor said. The fourth ingredient is the fresh spark of hope that floating air is even possible. And I used up all of mine in all of my experiments and all my trying and trying and failing and failing until finally I made that small container. But mine's all used up. They looked up to see the black speck in the sky fade away as it floated up. Yep, I'm absolutely out of that fresh spark of hope, she said sadly. But I have that, the boy shouted. I have that for days and days and days. Let me give you my fresh spark of hope that floating air is possible. We could use mine. So the boy and the professor walked quickly and excitedly back to the professor's laboratory. The professor put what looked like an old cooking pot on the boy's head. It was attached to some clamps, which had some wires, which led to a giant wall of levers and dials and buttons and knobs, which led to some tubes, which led to some boiling and frothing other tubes and vials of different strange-smelling liquids, which led to more tubes, which led to some wires, which led to a computer, which led to more wires, which led to a big funnel, which dropped into a large metal container, which was chained with large heavy chains to the ground. Okay, start hoping, 
The professor called after she hustled and bustled about getting all the ingredients and the levers and the dials and the buttons ready, and the boy started hoping. He hoped every hope he had ever had for a floating balloon. He hoped for a balloon to tug on the string in his hand and pull gently into the air. He hoped for a million floating balloons attached to his bed and himself floating through the clouds in his pajamas. He hoped for floating tires and floating mattresses and floating everything and meeting clouds and birds and whatever else lived high in the sky where no kid had ever floated before. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's enough, kid. That's enough. Hold on to that hope for a minute, shouted the professor. The boy snapped his eyes open and looked up, coming back from his lovely floaty daydream. The large metal container in the middle of the laboratory was floating, hovering in midair, straining at the heavy chains that were holding it from floating off for good. That was more floating air than I ever thought we'd get, the professor said, amazed. I need to get another container ready. And so they went on filling up containers with floating air until finally by that afternoon they had more than they knew what to do with. The first thing they did with it was fill up their bike tires. They laughed and shrieked and screamed as they rode through the air around the laboratory. Then they filled up an air mattress, not too full. And with some canoe oars, they rowed themselves around the air, hovering over the professor's yard. And then, finally, the boy filled up his balloons. And they tugged and pulled at his hand, bobbing away from him, gently trying to pull him into space. And it was everything that he had always hoped for. The professor was so delighted with the balloons that they began to fill up more and more and more balloons, and soon they had hundreds of balloons filled. They draped a large, sturdy blanket over the hundreds of balloons, and it bulged up into one giant, lumpy balloon. Then they tied a large basket very securely to their large, lumpy balloon. They furnished the large basket with some mattresses, non-floating, food, some clothes, and the professor's very full briefcase. Then they got inside and cut the ropes holding their new floating air balloon to the earth and they sailed up and up and up. They caught a breeze and the boy and the professor floated away on the wind to have many, many more lovely adventures. The end. I think it's time to check back in with the kid and the doctor and the scientist and figure out exactly what they've been up to in that balloon. But all that's going to have to wait till we get back from vacation. It's just about the end of the episode, so I just wanted to give one more big thanks to Coop for his amazing dragon and to our mystery dragon equation and taco drawing creator. Uh, those pictures are going to be available on Benedettiville.com. And of course, we'd love to hear from the rest of you. So send us an email, mail at benedettiville.com. Send us a postcard, draw a dragon, P.O. Box 33640 on 4th Street in Petaluma, California, 94952, or just drop it off there. It's the Mail Depot. Mo's amazing. Go and say hi to everybody and let us know what's going on. Be a part of our little Benedettiville, OU radio folks out there. But you hear the music, you know what's going on. It's the end of the episode, so let's get these credits rolling. You've been listening to Benedettiville's Small Town Adventures here on KPCA 103.3 FM in Petaluma, kpca.fm on the internet. 
I'm Gio. Jen, Stella, and Emmeline are the other members of Benedettiville, and we are on vacation. Woohoo! Special thanks, of course, and always to Rob, Jared, and John down at the station. You guys are awesome. Thanks for keeping everything on the air. Big thanks to Paige Warner, our good friend, Academy Award winner. It's always impressive every time I say it. And Rocco for the interview. Thank you to our sponsors. That's uh, Chocolate River Industries and Dinner Time, Helga's Giants Tailoring also. And you guys, can we figure out what to do about this poor banjo curse man? I, I mean, I feel sorry for him. He's getting to be a little bit of a nuisance around the studio, and I think it's time, high time, that that curse was broken. So Benedettiville, that's your mission for the week. See what you can do. Enjoy the summertime. Stay cool. And we'll talk to you later. Take care, everybody.